From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Are You Not Entertained? This time, up on deck is Goal on Goal with me and my co-host, the ever-vescent and ever-present Roger Mitchell. Hi, mate. Uh, hi, Grant. I'm, I am ever-present. Uh, great to see you, the other side of the world. I hope you made it there safely. How, how's yes, it going there? I did. I'm in, I'm in Sydney, and uh, it, I have to say, it's been spectacular. The weather has been wonderful. Uh, it wasn't as hard to get into the country, or it wasn't as stressful getting into the country as I feared it might be, given all the media coverage you've seen on other parts of the world. Um, and I got a chance to spend some time with my daughter. So all is good, Rog, all is good. But let me ask you this. Um, it's been two years you haven't seen your daughter. It has. Uh, uh, did you find her changed? Uh, did, uh, how do you find a, a child that you haven't seen for two years in terms of personality and everything? Have you found a difference? Totally, of course she's changed. I mean, she's she's 24, and uh, now the, the the difference from 22 to 24 is it's huge, you know. She, since I last saw her, she's graduated college. I had to watch that online at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, um, God, I'm sorry about that. You know, she's got a job. She's moved in with a boyfriend. So, yeah, many, many changes. But, uh, you know, she's, she's still my little girl, so it doesn't matter how much she changes, that part of it doesn't change, and it was just... Uh, well, I'm... I'm kind of like, you know, observing the same thing um, with my son. Obviously, I did see him uh, recently, but, you know, they're, they're, they, they do change. He's he's gone and un, under COVID from 18 to 20. And I, and I had this conversation with him the other day, Grant, that I want to share with you because it was it was so funny. And, and you realise, firstly, they change, they mature, but... but Secondly, they're different from you are, you know, you, 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 you know, look, look a little bit, he's measured, he's quite yeah. quiet. Um, so like, um, he's on the call the other day, uh, the WhatsApp, and I see he's had a haircut. And I said, um, all right, you found a new barber in London, because he normally gets it done here. Uh, he said, yeah, 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 I, I bonded with the guy. I said, um, what, do you, what do you mean, son, you bonded with him? He says, well, you know, he was a, a Palace fan. And um, I told him that I had uh, Gallagher in the fantasy football, and like he just melted. And and, and I said, "Wow, that that's good. It's good to see again. Fantasy is the kind of like icebreaker these days." Oh yeah, and he was really impressed with my score. You know, um, Lucas in the the top what five thousand mm-hmm. out of eight yep. million now, and he says it's real currency now. It's real currency with, with everybody. And uh, you know, he he said you know he wanted some tips and everything like that. Um, and, 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 you know, so we had this wee chat about fantasy with the barber and I thought that was really interesting. And I says to my son, I said, um, look, at, um, how close are we to this whole damn thing? You know, how close are we to winning the whole damn thing? <laughs> and he says, um, again, this is the whole thing about calm and measured. He said, look, um, all the top players, all the top players, more or less, do the same thing. They study the same data. They've got the same way of operating. Um, you're not really going to catch them up now unless you risk and get lucky. 
And obviously that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't the answer I was looking for. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. And I said to him, fuck that, fuck that. We'd be a lot closer if you hadn't picked Calvin Lewin, you know, the, the last couple of weeks as your captain. Uh, I told you, I told you, there's no karma there at Goodison just now. Fat Benitez, you should never have picked him. And then like, you know... He, he kind of like, <laughs> and, and oh, this is the truth, and he, and he like, he pauses and he says, um, uh, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if he'd scored the penalty. You do realise that because he, he actually yeah, called yeah. him. Uh, uh, and, and of course, that's a great point. And, and, but, you know, there's no way I'm going to concede that to him. I said, look, you picked him as captain because he was on pens. But the guy hasn't played for ages. He's got cold feet. And I told you, Fat Benitez is not the play these days. And he saw me getting really, really agitated. So he kind of like tried to deflect the conversation. He says, we've, we, we've still got the same lead. And this is the funny bit, because he names these people. We've still got the same lead over James Emmett, Matty Cutler. Uh, and, and they haven't made any ground on us, you know, in the kind of like sports business league, the one that we're winning. Uh, and 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 he said and he said you know they 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 they're good players they're good players uh, they've been a wee bit unlucky as well so they haven't made up any ground and you know I'm still fuming at this you know how close we are I said what about Hutton what about Hutton <laughs> you know like Peter Hutton who you know this is in my head this is so funny because like one of the top one of the top sports executives in the world that my son doesn't know from Adam. <laughs> And he comes out with this thing, you know, uh, Hutton, yeah, we've got to be careful about him. He is a very, very solid fantasy player. <laughs> and he says to me, Dad, you know you are insane, don't you? And I said, yeah, you're probably right. Well, you know, Rod, listen, you, you need to be careful because he's a talented fantasy player, your son. And if you keep the pressure on him, he's going to, I don't know, he'll go to Jorge Mendes or something and you're going to get a phone call <laughs> and it's going to be very difficult to keep him for next season. So you just be careful. No, he's a, he's a good lad. But the point is, the point I'm making is that um, different from his dad, who's going in a different direction now, he is getting more calm and measured and analytical. And, and it's, I just find it so funny. So funny. I love it. I love it. He's a good lad. He's a really good lad. And he is calm and measured. You're absolutely right. Which, um, <laughs> which uh, who knows where that comes from? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Under pressure from dad, he's found this way. <laughs> funny, funny. Absolutely so anyway, what tremendous. have you got for me? What have you got for me this well, week? Well, look, you know what? I, I'm here in Australia. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, it's Monday the 31st of January. We have to talk about the Australian Open final, obviously. Yeah. Um, and this had everything that's good about sport, including a little personal part of it, which I'll get to in a second. But um, so I'm staying with some friends out the beach. We make dinner. We're sitting down to watch the tennis Um and I said to uh, I said to Rachel, my friend Bruce's wife, I said, you know, I've just got a feeling that Nadal's not going to do this. I just it feels like it's calmer. They're all going to stay on twenty, all three of them. And he's he's you know he's getting old. He's been injured. You know, Medvedev's a good player. He's a he's a big game player. I just don't think he's going to do it. And um, so we, we set everything up around watching the tennis. We have dinner. We sit down to watch it. And uh, obviously, the first two sets. Um, Nadal yeah. loses them to Medvedev and, and just looked out of sorts and was struggling. Now, here's the problem. At this point in time, the jet lag is 
kicking my ass and i am i'm i'm on the couch and i'm i'm, I'm going slow like leaning further and further over and i'm you know i find i'm, I'm being woken up when bruce my mate's going oh like this it's kind of snapping me out of my slumbers so i kind of refocus and i see that the end of the second set and i was like guys i, I just can't stay awake anymore i'm gonna have to go to bed uh, and it's over and, and my, and my, yeah, my, my parting words were i hate to say it but a he's done and B, even if it went to five sets, there's no way I've got four or five hours in me. I just won't be able to stay awake. <laughs> so I went to bed. And of course, I wake up this morning and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I sat and watched the highlights. I just, But just, I mean, that's, that's the personal story about it. But um, what an absolutely phenomenal achievement by Nadal. I mean, absolutely incredible. He, he's, he is one of the three greatest players of all time. For me, I, I can't separate to him I think you like me are a Federer fan and always will be I mean to me he's my favorite but whether that makes him the best or not is debatable but to see what Nadal did there Ross to come back not just from two sets down against the younger what 10 years his junior player who was yeah. playing great yeah. tennis to come back given that plus all the injuries he's had at his age it's just what a competitor it's unbelievable to watch that I don't think we can find the words to describe what he did today in the context of what you've you've laid out of the running into the tournament. He kind of almost half retired in December or something like that. You know, I, I watched it all. I I actually, different to you, I got up um, and then, you know, towards the end of my morning, I tuned in and he had just won uh, the third set. Okay. So I, I had missed the, you know, the, the first two uh, and I saw the end of the third set. And, uh, you know, what, what he was doing there, the shots he was pulling off. Also, the, you know, the way he turned it around tactically. Again, I mean, I'm not going to go into, you know, tennis porn on, on explaining that. But, you know, uh, he, I think Nadal, listen, and, and if, if, if I had to put one guy of all time uh, for me to, to win a tennis match for my life, it would be Nadal. It wouldn't right. be Federer. No, I think um, you're right. You know, the, 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 this, and, and the funny thing about Nadal Grant is that when he does the post-match interviews and he does his little, you know, he comes across as this little wee boy, you know, that um, is all super sweetness and light and, you know, uh, hiding behind his mummy's skirt. Uh, but when he's on that court, he's just an animal. And I'm not talking just physically, I'm talking about the will to win. And and I think that's the the thing that, you know, uh, struck me when I was watching this. That there was a plethora of shots that you just couldn't believe. But it was like, the, you know, the, 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 the way that he just kept saying, this is mine, I'm going to win it, you're not going to beat me. Um, and, 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 you know, I had, a, I had a deja vu with that famous match, uh, Federer and uh, Djokovic in Wimbledon where Federer mm -hmm. was serving, remember, and, and he didn't close it out. And I thought, God, this is going to happen to Nadal as well. And I wasn't happy about that because I wanted to see him do this. But I, 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 my, my takeaway is I, I honestly think that maybe, maybe if you put all the, the things together, talent, tactics, uh, uh, will to win, uh, I think Nadal has got a good shout for being the best of them all now. Today was extraordinary, Grant. Uh, that that was extraordinary. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, again, I, I for me, it's Federer simply because of he's won more of each Grand Slam. He's he's more of a complete player, and Nadal has just won what ten, eleven French Opens, half his half his titles are French Opens. But I think he's the greatest competitor of the three. I I, I, I don't think 
that's arguable, frankly. The others are fantastic tennis players, but I just can't split them, Rog. I mean, I, I, for me, as I said, it's always going to be Federer just, just for his class uh, and his style and the grace he moves around the court and the shots he plays. But, you know, I, I couldn't stand there and defend that over Nadal. I really couldn't because I think he's an extraordinary champion and an extraordinary competitor. The other thing, Roger, that, that I was going to mention about this was um, hats off to Medvedev. I don't know if you saw his um, speech afterwards. Yes, I um, did. Just remarkably, considering the hurt he must have been feeling, considering the way the crowd had been against him the whole way through, and, and, and I'm sure he understood that, but still he was getting antsy at the crowd when, it, when I saw on the highlights. But what a gracious acceptance speech that was. You know, humour, uh, deference to Nadal, um, said all the right things. And, and I, I, think, I think that will do him a tremendous service with the Aussie crowd next time. Um, I think when he comes back, he'll 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 be someone that they want to get behind. But I just thought in that moment, given what the disappointment that he must have been feeling, I thought again, just an extraordinary speech. Well, you you won't have seen this because you don't follow the ne- the memes as much as I do. But whilst um, the 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 woman, uh, I don't know what her role is, um, might be the head of the Australian Open. I don't know the, the woman that spoke. Yeah, I know you mean Jane. I forget her second name, but yeah, I know I, you mean. I, I don't know what her role, you know. So the, the top dignitary there. You know, the camera was on him and he was mouthing as she was speaking, boring, boring. Oh, was he? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, so, and and, and he was getting slammed in there. Now, are you sure it was boring, boring? Because it could have been Russian. You don't know. uh, Well, I picked it up on the memes. We don't know. Uh, And also, uh, maybe I give him a break as well, because... At the time he was saying that, she was ref- she was saying things like, you know, what a great competitor the loser has been and hats off to him. And, right, okay. You know, I, okay. I think he was saying to himself, this does nothing for me. Yeah, I had yeah. this in, in my... But, but, you know, coming back to Nadal and Feder, um, I, I think we've got to remember that famous Wimbledon. You know, they had a couple of Wimbledon finals. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one... The one that finished in darkness. At, yeah, the, the, where they were both at their peak. And... Um, Federer was on, I think, his favourite service surface, and Nadal his least favourite. And and the year before, Nadal had lost in five, I think, and the year after, he won in five. I still think that's the greatest match I've ever seen. I agree. And you know, I, I think they were both at their peak there, and Nadal took him on on the on the surface of Federer. So, um, I, what I saw today is was extraordinary, Grant. You you never saw live those three sets, and you just. You know, you could see it when he needed to make a point to just, you know, slide, slide the dagger in one more time. He found it. It was just extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I just, you just got to say, who are you? Where do you find this from? And, and, and you know, Grant, if you look at, we, I, I don't want to come back to anybody specific, but we've talked a few times about uh, sports people of great talent that maybe what we've said think too much. Maybe um, I've got more interest. Maybe they're not single-minded enough, and they they they, they may not get back to compete. Um, that's what I was thinking about all the way through the, this morning when I saw Nadal. He's just uh, the opposite of that, and 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 sadly, I think that's what you need these days. If you've not, if you can't bring that, there's too many talented players in tennis and golf and. Uh, whatever you want to call it, that if you can't bring the the mindset as well, I'm afraid it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, what else, Rog? What else have you got for me this week? Uh, well, as we are kind of recording this, uh, the the NFL is on. The I think the Bengals and the Chiefs, and and, and last week 
we had uh, um, four games that made everybody think that the NFL was actually rigged. So good were the scripting of those all four games. You know, you've got so many stories there. The one that, you know, our boy Burroughs, you know, the Heisman uh, mm -hmm. tr uh, Trophy winner at the, at the, at the Bengals, you know, He's playing right now and he's he's up against who's going to be, I think, a, a major rival for his all through his career, which is Mahomes. That was a great game, but, you know, the 49ers and the Packers, you know, the 49ers, the, the special teams disaster. But more importantly, the 49ers, I want to stop a little bit. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you yep. know, if some guy has had a bad COVID... <laughs> I think it, you know, I think, I think, I think it must be Aaron Rodgers, and um, you know, he doesn't. He's got this kind of like over the last two or three years, this diva, divo in his case, divo attitude of, you know, am I going to stay? Am I not going to stay? I'm going. Am I going to host Jeopardy? Am, am I going to do something else? And you know, even his body language in the game against the Niners, you know, he he was going out to the to the pitch with his hands and his protectors and everything. I just. He just didn't seem that he was interested, and and you know I I think he's probably ruined a little bit of his legacy with the Packers because to be honest he hasn't delivered uh, over the last ten years like other people have, um and and you know all the stuff about the inoculation or vaccination and all the silly games there, I think he's had a dreadful um eighteen months. And, you know, it's a great lesson that, you know, uh, pride comes before a fall. I think I think he'll he'll rue this. Um, and then that takes you on, Grant, to the guy who has been the opposite of that, Tom Brady. You know, that Rams-Bucks game, you know, like, geez, they yeah. were down and out. And, like, he just does his thing, Brady, and brings them back and brings them back. And then at the, at the end, they run up the park and, and, and score again. The Rams just... You're thinking this must be scripted. Yeah. This must be scripted, and 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 you know obviously the the, the last game you think well this has been a great weekend and like, let's watch the last of the games and then bloody hell the, <laughs> the well this was the this team. was yeah this was another one of my goals this week this game so uh, I'm glad you brought it. Well, up you because... you tell you tell us about that one because you know that that one I think was the best of the four. Oh, Roger, that, that was not just the best of the four. That was one of the best games of NFL that's ever been played. I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary to watch. You know, two. Two young, immensely talented quarterbacks. And yeah. it's funny that Mahomes at, at, what, 26, I think he is now, is, you know, kind of now fending off young guns like Josh Allen and, yeah. and Burroughs. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, yeah. really, right? But, but that, that Chiefs-Bills Chiefs game, uh, or Bills-Chiefs game, I guess, more correctly, was just unbelievable. The, 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 the last few minutes, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I really no. haven't seen anything like it. It was, it was, it was everything... That sport is about the drama, the tension, the excitement, the failures, the successes, the bad calls, the the, the you know the, the the genius of of athletes on the pitch. But I, you know I, what it did make me think as I as I watched it and that weekend and, and obviously social media was just lit up with comments about the weekend as a whole and, and those four games. Um, you know it made me realise the NFL has been going through a really tough time too. You know it's it's it's. It struggled with viewership. They had all the Colin Kaepernick stuff. There's been an awful lot of controversy around it, and it and it was it was I wouldn't I won't say it was on its knees because it's the NFL in America. It's never going to be on its knees, but no, no. it had taken a few punches to the face. Concussion as well. Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of people were saying, "I'm done with the NFL." And watching those games last weekend, it just made me realise that there will be a lot of people who said they're done with the NFL, 
and I guarantee you at least 60% of them are watching this week after missing out on last week. No, the, back the NFL is the, is the granddaddy of sport. You know, it's, either side of the Atlantic, it's still the granddaddy of sport. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, Rose, to be honest. I, 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 well, for in me, terms of money and As a spectacle, money, yes, yeah, I, I get that. As, as, a, as a spectator sport, I, I still think that it's way too stop-start and it's just not enough flow to it for me personally. But I, I do, having lived over there and been to countless games, I, I, I get it. Um, but I just, it just makes you realise that sport has a place in people's hearts and their psyche that no short-term annoyance with it is ever gonna is ever gonna send away. You know, and no, it made me think about the Super League. Weekend like that. But it made me think about the Super League, Rog, You know, and it made me wonder because the reaction to the Super League, mainly in the UK, um, mainly in England, was as we discussed at length when it happened, right? You know, absolute outrage, shock. We're never going to let this happen. It's, and, and we saw the what happened when, when the public kind of rose up against it. But this made me wonder, all the people that said, if they do that, football's dead to me. Um, you realise that if you love a game, you love a game. And it's it's the same as loving a woman, you love a woman. There's nothing you can do about it. And, and the Super League comes along and you're a Chelsea fan and you're pissed off at the club for... Doing it, and then they go and you know beat AC Milan five four, uh, scoring two goals like Spurs did the other week at the end of the game. Bang on, Grant! And, bang and I on. wonder, right? I wonder bang how many on. people just get sucked back in, you know? And, and I, I, I don't know whether the, the administrators and the money in the game, this is the gamble and the bet they're making. That no matter what people say, we might lose them for a couple of years, but the game will bring them back because they love it, and they and they've got no choice. That's that's a great point. Listen, I was going to bring this up under the the whole Derby, Gary Neville listed building uh, MPs in Parliament talking about this, the the social fabric of football. I was going to bring this up anyway. So let, let's take it now. When you say um, it's a gamble, that is giving a context to this that says uh, everything's okay now, but we're really going to go for something extra. Um, whereas, and you know this has been my position for two or three years, um, I believe the status quo is totally broken and that um, something like the Super League or some version of new thinking is needed. And I was going to remind people a little bit about what I mean by that. You know, Claudio Ranieri didn't last um, 12 weeks, three months at Watford. This is a guy that won uh, the league with uh, Leicester, a, a, a guy that's done great things at Chelsea, Roma, a serious, serious coach. Uh, he only got three months because, you know, the price of relegation is yeah. so dramatic for these clubs. Well, I could stop there. I could stop there and say, anybody that gives me this, oh, we need to keep it the way it is, you're talking through your hat because you have to also say that you're cool with coaches getting 10 weeks to prove themselves. It's short-termism to the max because the cost of the volatility of relegation and promotion is so high. So, uh, you know, let, let's move on a little bit to what I think is a, a more valid uh, a more valid argument that, that, that needs um, discussion. You know, the thing about um, you lose a team like Bury, you, you lose a team like Derby County, it can kill a town, it's part of the social fabric, these are listed buildings, um, and, and, and towards the end of that, which I think is a decent argument, they come up with, we need a regulator. 
Um, I don't think the regulator is the answer. I'm pretty consistent in that. I've never been a big fan of big government and, and regulators and things. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that uh, even a small team like Bury in its community is important is no doubt true. Um, and I believe, and I've said this before to you, I think the, the new DAOs, DAOs, uh, may, 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 be, may, may be some kind of answer to that. But, you know, Maybe that's the case, maybe that's not, but what I don't like, Grant, is this bleeding heart stuff, because I'll tell you why, I've been close enough to this. Oh, it's the bad owners that have done this, and the fans are paying the price, you hear it every day. Yeah, yeah. It's the bad owners. You show me, Grant, anywhere, anywhere where a fan anywhere in the world has come out and said, oh, Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to spend on that extra player. Of oh, course. Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to give, you know that phrase, just give him what he wants. You know, you hear it from the, 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 the terraces. There is much to blame. It is the way football is, and it needs extraordinary ownership to fight back that kind of irrationality. So when something like Bury happens or something like Derby happens, the fans can't just stand back and say, uh, oh, those bad guys ran away with all our money. It's part of the game that you will spend more, certainly in, in, in Europe, you will spend more money than you earn. If you look at it, insolvency is almost inevitable almost inevitable and what you do is the you know you get a sugar daddy to leave his credit cards behind the bar and when he gets maxed out you get somebody else in and you tell him and you insist he or she spends as well so there's, there's a lot of nuance in an argument today that is going all in the populist way of uh, what you're seeing uh, as i explained before I do think that there is ways to look at this. Communities, Bury, Derby County, whatever they are, they can be managed better. There's different ways to do it. But please, please, let's not go down the route of keeping ailing organisations afloat with the excuse of social fabric. It's lazy grant. It is. No, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, Roger, but there is a way to do it. You know, Rangers have shown us the way, right? How to do it. You, you, you go bust. And you come and you come back again on a more stable footing, right? That's yeah. That's how you yep. do this, and and it, that should be how you do it. You know, the club, the club doesn't need to go away. I mean, it'll be people like you talking about how this is a different club that that ruin it for people like Derby and saying that you know this is you get rid of all your titles. You've only won one league title now. I, I, there'll be, there'll be, but no one's going to listen to you anyway. But no. But, but no, but you know what I mean. Derby County Berry should go bust and should I be built so. again from the ground up and. The fans will come back. I guarantee the fans will come they back. They will come back. Um, and yes, they might be in a lower division. And yes, they might have to work their way up. But you know what? Once they're in that and they're invested in that, what a ride that'll be. Because we know they will have the kind of money brought to them that will enable them to rise back up the ranks. Someone like Derby County is, my point. is, is not going to stay down for long. And the fans will have a hell of a ride getting back to the to the Premier League again, if that's if that's what they end up getting. I, you know, I've, it, I've seen it in Italy uh, two or three times with big teams. I see it. I saw it with um, Fiorentina. I saw it with Parma. I think I may be right in, in Napoli as well. I may be wrong on that, but it happens consistently here. And you know, I, I'm quite close with a lot of real, you know, hardcore Parma fans. 
And, you know, they say some of their best times in fandom were in the lower reaches, you know, going to strange places and, 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 and you know, that sense of community and what they're in it for, which is the away trip with their mates. Yeah. They, 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 lo they loved it. They were going to new places. Roger, 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 listen, look, look, you don't have to look any further than me, right? Look at me last year watching Fulham in the Premier League and me this year watching Fulham in the Championship, right? Completely different experience. Same team, many of the same players, right? Different manager. But this year, you know, we scored 19 goals in three games in that, since you and I last spoke. Um, and they're winning every week and they're playing great football. You know, I hope we, get, I hope we win the championship and then don't go up. We can stay in the, stay in the championship again next year and, and enjoy winning. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's, that's part of being a fan. I followed them last year when they were losing every week. It's much more fun watching them win every week. But wherever they go... I'm not going away and Derby fans won't go away and Berry fans won't go away no matter what the club is look at Wimbledon look at AFC Wimbledon or which I forget which one's MK Dons which whatever, one's the original whatever. I've totally lost yeah. track of it all but the fans are still there I mean they're not going anywhere uh, and this is the point this, this, this is the point which I think is an optimistic point uh, long term if your fans your community believe in your club it is best to uh, take a clean piece of paper Think of all the new ways that you can uh, uh, engage that community and, and go for it with just doing it properly. You know, setting up the football side properly, setting up the fan engagement side, get the ownership and governance the, the right way. If it's through the blockchain, great. If, it is, if it's the old way, do it proper. But please don't come to us and say to bail, have government bailouts or have this, that, and the next yeah. thing to keep. Failed businesses, failed businesses. And no, it's not a business. It's not. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because at the end of the day, and I've said this a million times, you don't want to call it a business. Make sure you never need a businessman's money. And, and, and that's the bottom line. And the fact is they always need somebody new to leave the credit card behind the bar. And de facto, that makes you a business on every single day of the week. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about Fulham because I, I, I did know that you're top of the league. Um, and I was going to ask you about this, but you answered a lot of it. But tell me about this young lad, Carvalho. Is, is he yeah, a new deal? Yeah, he's a good player, really good player. I mean, look, Fulham have had a few of these. You know, Harvey Elliott went to Liverpool when he was, I think, 16. He's a very talented player. Yeah. Um, we've had a few over the years, but Carvalho is definitely the real deal. I, I, honestly, I think it, it would be great to see Liverpool sign him and then loan him back to Fulham. I think he needs, I think he needs another year or two um, without being in that team. If I was Fulham, that was the deal I'd be, I'd be trying to do. I'd say, look, sell him and we'll loan him back for a couple of years. Um, but no, he's a very, very good player. I mean, this Rog, it, you know, it's amazing, right? This this Fulham team, there's a there's two or three new players in there, um, um, and obviously the new manager, and they're just a completely different proposition this year. They're playing fantastic football. Um, Marco Silva's done a great job in energising them and getting them excited about playing, and, and maybe a lot of that is because they're winning. But they're not just winning. I mean, they're absolutely destroying everyone that comes in front of them. You know, I watched the highlights of the, of the Blackpool game yesterday, which they drew 1-1. But, you know, the, the, the highlights were the Black the Blackpool goal and 10 minutes of Fulham peppering, you know, the, the opposition goal. <laughs> and, and, look, it's, and it's great as a fan. You, and you love to see your team win. At the end of the day, yeah, it's fantastic if they're beating Man United every now and again or might get the, a win away at Anfield like we did a couple of years ago. It's fantastic. But I'll take... 
beaten Reading, Birmingham and whoever else, Bristol City, by 19 goals to four in three games, just for the pure excitement of it as a fan. It doesn't, well, it doesn't make any the, difference. This is the great truth. This is the great truth. And yeah, that's of course why it I is. believe that we need to restructure football around the, 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 the homogeneous clubs. Um, you know, whether you call them Hollywood or Art House or whether you call them something else. And frankly, you know, uh, this is a great point you make. And I will tell you, Grant, that there will be a Super League. There, there will be a Super League and it may be sooner than people think. Um, and, you know, we, we, we need to we need to get our head around this. Uh, what, what, what that means for promotion and relegation, I don't know. I just do know one thing, that the cost of promotion and relegation today in today's football is too high a price. Yeah. It's too high a price. And and people need to start putting that on the table. And, and, and yeah, it's just one of these things in life. It's a sacred cow that needs to be killed, I'm afraid. And uh, I say it with a heavy heart, but the evidence is too strong now, mate. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, I, I've, I've certainly come round to that way of thinking as I've watched it. Look, I, I, I too... Having watched what happened with the the World Golf Tour, I, like you, I, I know the Super League's inevitable. It, it's just a question of when. Um, but I think I, I think I'm inclined to agree with that it will happen sooner rather than later. Um, it's got some momentum now. There's too much money behind it. There's there's too many kind of flags being floated. I, I agree with you. I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, listen, I've got I've, we've had we've had a, a couple of goals in the in the tennis. I've got an own goal in tennis, and I, and I can't remember if we had this conversation on mic uh, or off mic about Djokovic's uh, Djokovic's COVID test. Uh, so apologies. I was I, on mic. It was on mic. It was on mic. Yeah. So you know, I told you what I thought. I thought he basically yeah. got a, a moody certificate and, and a yeah, yeah. blagged and got caught in a lie and had to admit to the least the lie with the least chance of him being prosecuted. And now this week we've seen there's more stuff come out about it that there's, you know, the, the serial number of his test doesn't actually <laughs> line up with the time that he said he got the thing. And it looks like, you know, it's, it's looking more and more like it was a totally bogus positive test and result. You called it right. You called it right. He got caught with and had to, and had to you know, not lie to the immigration authorities. So, yeah, on, on the day that Nadal. Um, cements his his place in, in 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 the kind of tennis pantheon for all time you know you, the same week you've got Djokovic looking even worse than he did when this whole thing blew up and it's 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 tough to have any sympathy for him for me personally because you know I, I, I to me it's been clear from the get-go what what actually happened and um it does not cast him in any kind of good light unfortunately no no I think again karma was was correct there that uh, what, what happened to him and then who wins the 21st title in the way that he did uh, I think that's um, poetic justice and, and it was poetry today it really was well, what else you got for me my man well I can't, we can't ignore this where this is the news of today we talked about young players at your team um, one of England's uh, young players Mason Greenwood ah uh, yes um, now listen uh, in life uh, it is incredibly important uh, the innocent until proven guilty thing. Um, but the harsh realities of life, especially for any of young people listening here, is that um, your reputation will will judge you in these moments. And um, you and I talked, I can't remember when it was, about an England trip to Iceland mm-hmm. a few years ago. We did it on this programme uh, where he, and I, I remember specific, Foden, I specifically saying, I think Greenwood is leading Foden astray. 
And, you know, so this news comes out today. It's all over there. And and even though it seems pretty much, uh, you know, uh, red-handed with uh, the videos and the audio, I still would like to say innocent until proven guilty. But everybody out there, remember, your, your reputation, your perp sheet uh, will kill you in moments like this if you've not been careful. And I, I'm... I'm you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for this lad. Um, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for people like him that uh, have been given all the talent in the world. I'm not going on to a kind of like, oh, I would give my right leg to, you know, yeah. right arm to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm just saying, you know, uh, something's got to be done about this because I, there is, I can tell you there's nobody that didn't know after Iceland what they were dealing with with, with Greenwood. People know um, other players what they're. Why can't football, with so much money at stake, just take this no dickheads policy and just have you know? We hear anything like this and you are out. You're out on. We will just take the loss. You're out. You know why can't they do that? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Rog, and I, I wish I had an answer for you. But there have been enough examples to demonstrate that they can't. Um, and look, maybe and this. And this one, Rog, you're right. You know, it's it's early days. We've got the news just hit, and there's no conviction or anything here. But it looks it looks pretty bleak. It has to be said. And you would think at least Man United have, after initially doing nothing about it, have pretty quickly come out and said he's basically suspended until further notice. But it is. It's going to come down on them to to if if this is what happened, they have to make an example of him. The sad thing is, at some point, someone else will pick him up. Rog, I mean that's will, that's yeah. the reality of it, right? Someone will, will pick him up, yeah, and, and it may be overseas. It may be you know get him away from the spotlight. I don't know, but there is there's a second chance if you're a, a famous, talented athlete. You do get second chances in life, and whether that's right and wrong, I think everyone deserves a second chance. But I think your point is the correct one. The clubs, no matter what it costs them, have to do the right thing in a, in a case like this and make an example of someone if he's found guilty of what he's accused of. See, this is. This is the thing that, that I, I struggle with, uh, given the amounts of capex that are involved in football now when you buy a player and their salaries. Um, the lack of personality, due diligence that is done. And people say it that is done, it is done. Well, frankly, it can't be being done because, you know, we've heard... Let's take Man United specifically. They've gone through four or five managers. They've had um, people like Roy Keane say um, they'll throw the next manager under the bus just like they did Mourinho, just like they did Van Gaal. Uh, why does he say that? Why can he say that with authority? Because he knows the kind of guys that are in that dressing mm -hmm. room. He knows. He knows. And how did they get there? It's because somebody bought them or somebody gave them a contract. And I can't understand when, when you've got a massive downside in performance from having a dressing room like that, you know, because it's called a, a split dressing room, it's called cliques, it's cost, called uh, throwing a manager under the bus. The cost is enormous. Why the hell are clubs not really ramping up their background checks on players? I mean, you and I, you know, we went to Manchester for two days. We'd know all there is to need to know about Mason Greenwood. All there is to know. It's not hard. It's not hard. And and why are they not doing it? It's, it's just linked to the other thing we said before. Football is run really badly. You know what's interesting when you think of this? I wonder what would happen were, for example, Manchester United run by what some people call a DAO. 
But if Manchester United <laughs> was run by a DAO and people had an opinion on this kind of thing, that would be very, very interesting to see whether the kind of moral outrage that one would hope to experience in normal society, because you know, judging the court of opinion, if he was found guilty of what he's been accused of, in the court of public opinion, there'd be an overwhelming number of people who would say he's got to go. But you I wonder. No, no, no. I'm fans? saying no, no. I'm saying public, public, not public, fans, okay. not fans. Oh, I'm the, saying public. Yeah, I know where right? you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. So it would be very, very interesting to see what would happen with a DAO that owned a club that had a situation like this and it was part of the charter that the fans could decide on the future of a player where something like this happened. That would be a fascinating sociological experiment. If he was if he was coming off seven goals in four games, he's getting away with to it. To my point. To my point. Yeah. It would be a fascinating yeah. sociological experiment. Yeah. But, but listen, let's stay on football a little bit and, and take it a little bit more into the finance realm because, you know, we saw this week, we saw... One of the one of the big bonds of Inter Milan get rolled over, you know. Inter Milan they've got two levels of debt really. One is kind of like preferred shares, and that's held by Oak Tree for I think about two hundred fifty million. And then they've got real debt that has been loaned against all the revenues from broadcasting and sponsorship. That's in a kind of like separate media company, and 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 that was rolled over this week. Uh, more than the original one, it's rolled over to about 415 million now, 415 million. That debt was downgraded, Grant, uh, to B plus by Fitch. Uh, and the interest rate they're paying now is 7%. So that's nearly 30 million a year in mm -hmm. interest costs. And, you know, in many ways, you could think B plus is fucking generous, man. It's generous because... No, the ratings so are always generous. For everybody. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are always generous. They're always, they're always, everyone's higher than yeah, they should yeah. be, but. Yeah, because you're you're paying somebody yeah. to give you what you want to hear. And, and if they don't give it to you, you'll go to their competitor. Fitch Moody's, uh, Standard & Poor, whatever it is. But anyway, the, the point is, you know, this happened in the same week that um, the, the CEO of Inter Milan, Marotta, said um, there is a systematic risk of total default in Italian football. Total default. <laughs> that's, pre that's, pre that's pretty dramatic. Uh, and you know, then you think a wee bit more. You think, well, if I'm a bondholder there, and my security is the television revenues of Inter Milan, what's the the collateral risk on that? The collateral risk on that is, is the zone. The zone of get the Italian rights. How is the zone's business model going? Mm, single subs in a world of piracy. Mm, what I'm saying is, whether it's Inter Milan, whether it's Barcelona, let's get even more debt. I believe that this day is secured on a relatively fragile set of revenue streams that may not be um, so strong going forward. If you do get more cut the cord, if you do get more piracy, and if you get a disown or some of the other players withdrawing from the market. So um, over levered, uh, starting to play, pay serious interest uh, uh, amounts a year. It's, it's, it's not a great situation, Grant, in a European football ex-UK. But, Roger, this, you've, you've described the world. This is not football, right? As the world has become more financialised over the last 30 years, as interest rates have gone down, it's become cheaper and cheaper. It's, you know, we've reached the point where you'd be stupid not to borrow more money, right? So people have been forced, yep. really, to borrow money. And that's why this, this backdrop now of potentially rising interest rates it's not just going to kill the stock market, which is what people seem to be most worried about. But 
and we've talked about this before, right? The way that finance has seeped into everything, has seeped into every part of the business world, the sports world, the entertainment world. It's all built on a foundation of being able to roll over the debt, like like Inter have done this week. If yeah. you can't do that, the whole thing falls apart. And I suspect, uh, I suspect there will be assuming rates go where they look like they're headed and frankly where they need to go. If rates were where they needed to be, we'd have widespread defaults yeah. right across yeah. every major sporting league, I would imagine, and including a few surprising ones, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, um, let's let's not end on that kind of note. Um, let's come back to DAOs. I'm going to continue with this. It's going to be my thing. Um, <laughs> let's come back to DAOs. Um, you, 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 get, you sound like a B double O M E R. Yes. Um, you know, we 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 also mentioned Mason uh, Mason Greenwood. So let's try and link the two of these. Did you notice this week the the announcement of the first Masonic DAO and esoteric NFT collection of the metaverse? Did you notice that? I I did not, Rog, but I suspect the the Google alerts that you and I have set are somewhat at odds with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put it that way. I've got Alexandra Mitrovic as my Google alert, that's it. And it goes off constantly, thankfully. Let, let me explain to you, because this is as funny as it sounds. To become a member of Masoniverse, because that's kind of like they've done that, you know, Metaverse, Masoniverse. Yeah. yeah, I see what they did apply there. To own, apply to own a Masoniverse NFT representing a Mason synth in regalia, a Masonic synth that you can activate during the Masonic ceremonies in the extended reality lodges in the Metaverse. And Roger, they've just, got on the web. Just shoot me now. No, 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 no. Seriously, no, just yeah, shoot me now. No, no, no. But Grant, Grant, it's worse than this because on the website you see the JPEGs of what these NFTs are, and it's like guys in like masks. It's like eyes wide shut. You know, like it's guys in masks, and like they've got all the suits on and they've got the, all the the symbols and like you know. Uh, here, here we go. Um, the 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 three three three. I don't. Uh, maybe the Masons that listen to us can tell us um, if that's an important number. The three 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 XR lodges are the meeting spaces where the ceremonies and rituals of the craft happen. The lodges are governed by their thirty three members. I think three must be a thing here, <laughs> and led by their worshipful master. Lodges are under the obedience of UGLM, no idea where that, oh here we are, the United Grand Lodge of Masoniverse, that will be the governing body. Sweet, <laughs> sweet Georgia Brown. Uh, and, and, and you know, it goes on and I, I need to post this website because the JPEGs we can't see on here, they are so funny, Grant. So the Masons have got religion on the Metaverse. I, I swear to God, Rog, uh, listen, I mean... This world, this world is is going places that I can't even, I can't even contemplate. Honestly, some of the stuff that's happening right now is is just, you you, you couldn't write it. If you, if you dreamed it up, no one would believe you. No one would believe people are paying for what they're paying for. But listen, I've, I've got one more sport one. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, probably didn't if you watched it as the Open, but the, uh, the Dubai Golf, did you see any of that? I did not, no, I did not. I mean... Incredibly exciting. Uh, Victor Hovland won the tournament. Yeah, it's a big, big purse in Dubai. Um, 
takes him up to number three in the world. And he's a, he's a real talent, this kid. And he's, and he's just a really, really nice kid. You know, he was interviewed. He, he beat Richard Bland, um, who's having a bit of a yeah, renaissance yeah. at the yeah, age yeah. of 48 yeah. in a playoff. And, you know, Hovland had the presence of mind that he was being interviewed by Tim Barter of Sky, uh, who's one of the colour commentators on Sky, but who happens to be Blandy's coach. And um, Hovland, when being interviewed, had yeah. the presence of mind to apologise to Tim Barter. You know, cool. this must be, it was just great. But the biggest story was Rory, again. You know, all the talent in the world, he's got two holes to play. And uh, basically, I think he needed, um, yeah, he needed to play the two holes in level par to get into a playoff. He needed one birdie on two birdieable holes, the last is a par five. He drives it into a bush on 17, makes a miraculous par. Then the par 5 18th, he takes a three-wood off the tee, leaves himself 260 over a pond. Um, now, this is a hole that Monty hit driver off the deck years ago yeah. to, to get a birdie and win the, this, this tournament. Rory dunks it into the pond, sticks his fourth to 15 feet and misses the putt. And storms off the green and storms past the waiting reporters, etc., etc. And, you know, the story, this is his second meltdown in the Middle East in a, in a matter of months. And the story is that, right? Rory melts down, Rory bad decisions. There was very little discussion in the press about how well he's playing, apart from a couple of bad decisions, a couple of bad shots. And I've got to think, going into the Masters, we'll see. I might end up eating all kinds of humble pie with this one. But I know what you think, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Right. I just, I don't know. I, I think, I think this is more going to be more fuel to his fire than it is a head scratching moment and, a, and a, a major disappointment. I think this will get more fired up for the Masters. I hope so. I'd love to see him win the Masters. I well, I, he he was one of the names I was thinking about earlier when I was talking about Nadal. Uh, yeah, I figured. When you see somebody like Nadal today and you compare it to to Rory, that's why I've I've been relatively comfortable in saying that. I think he's done because I I don't think his head is allowing him to win things anymore. You know, um, at the majors, he normally does it in the first round where, you know, that's where the major and, and, and then it's gone. And then he maybe has a good second round or whatever, but, you know, it's, he's already out the tournament. And, and you're telling me now that he got to the last two or three holes in contention and he and he, he, he had two bad shots, he, you know, on the 17th tee and, and then into the water. Then missed a pot. That's three. He's not got it, man. It's he needs somebody serious to look into his head, and I don't know what the skill is there, but to say, do you want to win again? Because it doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll take the other side of that one with Rory. I, I think he does. I think he's clearly got the talent, but I, I don't. Know, I think the Masters is a mental block for him. He wants that Grand Slam so desperately. But he's playing. He's playing really good golf. So I don't know. I just I I, I my gut is that if he won the Masters, he'd win two or three more majors. Possibly. He, yes. He just needs yes. to get that off his off his back. But uh, I don't know. I think he's I think he's playing great golf. And, and yes, he's hit a couple of stray shots. But I mean, who hasn't? He just happened to do them at the wrong time. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Listen, we can't end. We can't end uh, if it's true that um, the aforementioned Tom Brady is retiring. We can't end without mentioning, you know, what, what he has been for. You know, let's just remember, there was six quarterbacks drafted before him. Yep. And they did nothing. And uh, he did he did everything. 
you know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I've certainly not been the biggest Patriots fan, Belichick and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, what would a serious NFL fan say about Tom Brady's career? Oh, look, I think we touched on this a while ago. In the moment, he's a Patriot. In 10 years' time, he's the greatest quarterback who ever lived, and it's not even close to everybody. You know, university, there will be the odd diehard that, you know, the, the typical fan that says, I could never, blah, blah, blah. But once he's no longer a Patriot, which he is in a lot of people's eyes, he is the greatest quarterback of all time, and it's not even close. It just not isn't even close. close for you. No, I look, I mean, you, there are plenty of names you can throw in that conversation for sure. You know, you can throw the Montanas of the world in there. You can throw the Steve Youngs. You can throw Marino. There's Elways, plenty of guys you yeah. can throw in there, right? Yeah, Airways and uh, uh, Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah. You can throw them all in there, right? There's plenty of them in the conversation, but none of them have done what he's done. None of them have done it with the consistency as he has. None of them have done it till the age of 44. And I don't know, Roger, this tweet that went out that said, he was retiring has since been removed and his dad has said he's not retiring yet now there's a wrinkle in that if he retires after the Super Bowl I think he, he's entitled to get 15 out of the 20 million dollars that he's entitled to next year so th this could just be a no 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 not yet not yet hold the bus yeah, on that one we'll retire later and, and look, who who would be surprised if he retired nobody but um yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a truly extraordinary. To be playing that sport at the age of 44 in good That's health. Extraordinary. To the level he has this year is, I mean, just beyond me. It really is. It's, it's impossible to fathom. Yeah. And then, of course, um, that allows us to end the show with, I think, one of the greatest comebacks under pressure of all time. Who do you think I'm referring to? We're in the same ballpark here, pun intended. Go on. The owner of the Patriots. Oh, Robert Kraft. <laughs> Robert Kraft, when found in a massage parlour of dubious repute, comes out with the greatest line of all time under pressure. You try and jerk off with six Super Bowl rings. <laughs> oh, God, I, I want to shake that guy's hand. Maybe not after that. Well, event, I, I'd, I I'd shake, shake his other hand if I were you, Rog. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably shake his other hand. But that's uh, that's a choice you make in the moment. Well, my friend, as, as always, it's been it's been a hoot. Um, uh, if you're not uh, if you're not following us already, you can do that very simply. You'll find us on Twitter at Entertained R. You can find me in the same place. You'll find me at TTMYGH. And you can find me as always RPM Como as in the lake. As in the lake, mate. As always, mate. fun and games. I'll see you next time. Take care down there. Watch all those spiders and funny things you get down there. <laughs> Australians, they call them. <laughs> see you, mate. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>